sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah. It's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to get to spend extended time with Brad Powers at Brad Power 7 on Twitter. And we're going to break down the world of college football. We did it last week. We're doing it again this week. And again, last week I had Paul Stone on the show, and he was basically giving us his favorite teams bet on and bet against. So you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask Brad Powers many of those same questions. Who do we want our money on? Who do we want our bet money against? And, of course, we are talking about guys like Paul Stone and Brad Powers, guys that have been successful winning betters for 20, 30, 40 years. It's strong info. Whether it wins or it loses, Brad Powers is a guy who I respect to the utmost. <laughs> I really do. Uh, when it comes to his ability before the season starts to say, this team's going to be good. This team's not going to be good. Pay attention. So we're going to pick his brain. Believe me, I'm going to pick his brain as much as I possibly can. <laughs> uh, no doubt about that. But before we get in to college football, I want to talk about life for a minute because life happens, all right? And as a handicapper, as a better, as a bookmaker, whoever you are, the off-field distractions are always going to be employed. Now, a lot of times, look, my life, I've been doing this for 25 years every day, <laughs> literally, you know? So it's not like there's a lot of instances in my world where I get off kilter, something weird happens, I get out of sync. But it can, does happen. I had a Monday this last Monday. I mean, I, you know, I, I got a Garfield in my bathroom, you know, a big Garfield book. And I had a boy, I had an attack of the Mondays of this last Monday. I had a, you know, homeowner association nightmare, a Wells Fargo nightmare, a cell phone nightmare. And I ended up being, you know, going or being on hold and talking to this customer service rep and talking to that and running down to the bank and running down to the cell. It was one of those days. It was an absolute nightmare. And I didn't get anything done for like eight hours from like noon till the, the night. And then I got home and I got home just in time to watch the Angels and the Mariners turn from 2-2 to 6-2 in the ninth. I lost that bet. And then my free play got frushed. And then I got into a fight with my wife to close out the night. And I smashed a hole in the wall. I mean, it was like... It was one of those days that it was just too much. <laughs> you don't want many of those over the course of a football season. You don't want the off-field distractions. And when you have them, you need to recognize, hey, my focus isn't there. I'm not right. I'm not seeing things the way I should. I'm not doing the due diligence the way I do. So what did I do? I passed the next day. I don't pass a lot. But I did. And I'm glad I did because I wouldn't have won that day. And it wasn't that much better when I got back. This was not, I mean, I've had a great run, really. I mean, the, from about the beginning of February till really this last week, um, you know, better than six months. And I uh, hit close to 60% counting every play every day over six months. I'll take that as long as I can get it. Uh, this week wasn't any good. <laughs> and now it's football season. So ain't nobody got time for that. You know, and of course... This is the time of year 
in Las Vegas where everybody you know comes to town. It's colleague weekend, you know? And of course, I've been doing this, you know, I've been, I moved to Las Vegas in 98. So over the course of time, I've met a whole lot of people. And this is the week, <laughs> you know, this week and next week's the week that everybody comes to town. You have, you know, the Westgate Super Contest weekend. You have the Circa Football Contest weekend. You have all the golf tournament. You have the Wager Talk Sports Memo meet and greet. All that stuff's going right about now. <laughs> so, and then, of course, you got old friends, people you want to see, people you're interested in seeing, people you haven't talked to. And, you know, I mean, once football season starts, it's pretty much the same for all of us, all right? We hang out in the summertime, Labor Day hits, and a lot of times you don't see anyone until after March Madness. I mean, legitimately, you don't see anyone until, you know, May. You know, oh, yeah, we see everyone running around Super Bowl week <laughs> attacking the props. But in terms of fun time, in terms of everyone getting together, in terms of relaxing, you know, this is busy season. Busy season's here, and it's a long one. <laughs> you know, about uh, after the Sweet 16, you're like, okay. I can exhale a little bit. Oh, here's baseball, by the way. But, you know, I'm someone that usually takes a week or 10 days uh, into the season before I start my MLB. So that realistically is the next time you have a chance to breathe. So what you do this week is, yeah, you take a little bit of time. (laughs) You go have fun with your friends. You go to that dinner. You go to that lunch. Uh, You make sure that you take your kid to the water park because ain't none of this stuff going to happen. When September rolls around, life is going to happen in this business. All right. Whether it's a death, a divorce, uh, an accident, a sickness, your kid's struggling in school, your kid's doing great in school, and you got to go congratulate him and fly out and (laughs) take him up. Whatever it is, there's always going to be off field distractions. Sometimes they're going to be significant off field distractions. And when you're dealing, with those significant off-field distractions. My advice to you is bet less, (laughs) bet lower limits, and wait until your rhythm comes back before you start stepping it up again. Because, you know, we talk so much about handicapping, how to pick this side, how to pick that side. Two areas that bettors don't talk enough about, emotional well-being and shopping for the best of the number betting skills versus handicapping skills and that emotional intelligence that that ability to handle life and still focus that's a big equation sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com When I think about the legendary college football bettors in this business, a couple of names do stand out. You know, I think of Dave Colgan. He's been doing it 30, 40 years at a really high level. I think of Paul Stone. You know, he's been doing it 30, 40 years at a really high level. And I think of our guest today, this gentleman, Brad Powers, who's been doing it for 30 or 40 years on a really high level, consistent winning results, strong analysis every time you talk to him. Brad Powers, welcome to the program. I want to pick your brain when it comes to college football for this upcoming season. Hey, thanks for having me, Teddy. Uh, don't age me too much. I know I'm not like, the greatest uh, thing to look at, but uh, 
if I've been doing it 30 or 40 years, I, I, I was starting off at an extremely, extremely young age. <laughs> Sorry. But nonetheless, I, I think of you, and that guy, look, Koken's, you know, what's Koken like? He's, 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 both uh, Paul's got to be in his 60s, Koken's got to be in his late 60s, and you're much younger than those guys, and yet I, I absolutely think of you in that category of the elite college football capper, a guy who you want to go to over the summer months because you know he knows what's going on already. Uh, so well, I, I appreciate how, how long have you been doing this? 20 years? 25? No, 14th season now. Really? Yeah, really. That's it? That's it. Well, you look much older. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. I'm teasing you. Uh, nonetheless... I was off by, I, I'm not usually off by decades. You started working <laughs> for Phil Steele only 14 years ago? Only 14 years ago. I was uh, 25 at the time. Wow, all right. Well, good for you, man, because I'll tell you what. Uh, you absorbed a whole lot of this stuff in a very real way. And this is a KISS show. I'm keeping it real simple. We're giving the audience exactly what they want. And I'm going to start with this. All right. You and I are professional betters. Clearly... We did a bunch of work over the summer. There are many bettors out there, certainly for college football, who haven't done a thing yet for college football. And they may not. But what would you tell someone who's just starting their college football work today? Where can they go for your accurate info? What's the best strategy for trying to cram something into a couple of weeks before the season? Uh, Talk about the, uh, you know, the advice you'd have for someone who's just starting their college football work right here, right now, and obviously, you know, you can say you can, uh, they can come to your website. <laughs> that would certainly be a good, uh, 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 a good resource. But uh, give give these folks some advice. Well, first off, I'll say you're late. Why why why, even, why are you just doing it now? Because these lines have been out for four months almost in some instances. And my other advice, and you won't hear this from a lot of people. Probably not the best idea to bet into these lines right now. And if you are still wanting to get some action and want some info, here's what I'll tell you what I'm doing at this point. Follow the fall camps as far as injury news. You're looking for new information, not information that's already been out and it's already priced into the marketplace. New information with regards to injuries. You're looking for cluster injuries at certain positions. Offensive line groups is something you can take advantage of that the market's a little bit slower to react. Obviously, quarterback news. Like at this point in the stage, hey, if you can be one of those first guys to get to a la the Sam Hartman type news uh, being out as a starting quarterback, that's stuff you can take advantage of and you can get some buttons, a lot of positive EV bets. But if you're just, you know, okay, let me handicap the the Illinois-Indiana game on an opening Friday night, and I'm going to find several points of value. I'm here to tell you uh, that that isn't the case this year. This year, the entire board got opened up in late May, and guys like myself have been betting into it for the last, all summer long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many, how many week one bets do you have? I'm putting the over under 29 and a half. 77. Yeah, I, I, I thought that number would be way low, and I thought about going 49 and a half, and I'm like, well, if, you know, yeah, but exactly. <laughs> so over cashes with room to spare. Now, you know, one of the things I like to do, I like to follow the beat writers, and particularly when it comes to the fall camps that are going on right now, 
the thing that I'm always looking for when there's a new offense coordinator, when there's a new defense coordinator. How's the install going? All right. Is it someone that got promoted from within? Is someone bringing in brand new schemes? And I really want the thought process from the beat writers. Hey, this offense is working. Hey, the defense looked good. Or, yeah, they're still working out the kinks right now. Because these preseason analysis of teams. Let me ask you this. How long is this info good for? Because in my mind, like a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks, uh, if a team that I thought was going to be here ends up being there two weeks into the season, I'm going to change my opinion on that team. I'm not necessarily going to expect them to be what I thought they were going to be when I was reading about them over the summer. So let me ask you that question. How long is the preseason info good for? Uh, Or are there situations where you might get a team that – has underachieved early, but you still know they're good and they're bet on team. Um, yeah, talk about that thought process. Well, first off, let me address the beat writers. You couldn't be more right on that. I mean, when people ask me, well, who are you getting your info from? Look, I respect a lot of our guys in our industry, but it's a lot of speculation at this point. I want guys that can get me info that I can't get from the guys that are, you know, handicapping the college football games right now. I want the beat writers that are there on the scene. They're watching practice. They don't know how to bet, but I can take their information and put that into my handicap and my power. So I think that's very important that people should be following beat writers. Number two, how good is the preseason info worth? I think you're about right. It could be as little as a week. You just be dead wrong on a team. I am much more apt to change power ratings significantly early in the season. I'm much more aggressive with my changes. You know, come November, I'm not moving teams much. Even if it's a disparate score, it's just one game. I'm not adjusting teams three, four points off of one, you know, one game in November like I could in September, in week one and week two. Um, it, it really, your other question, are, are you looking for teams that, that, that you know that are good and maybe haven't reflected that, a lot of it comes down to strength of schedule. And I'm here to tell you, Teddy, one thing that I really like doing come late September, October, once conference season starts, I like taking advantage of teams that have played disparate non-conference schedules. So that'll be something that you guys need to look for. You know, a team might be sitting there at one and three, they've gotten beat up, but their quality of the competition that they've faced has been much superior to a team that maybe ran through their non-conference at three and one, four and zero, oh, played a you know a bunch of tomato cans. That can be very valuable. Where maybe I didn't adjust too much those teams because the, the expectations were that that one team would go three and one, four and zero. Oh. The other team, the expectation was they'd go one and three, four, zero oh, and four. And yet the market doesn't always reflect that. So that, that's something that I'm looking for at least early on in the conference season. Sure, and with that, there's always a caveat with that, is that a team can only play the teams they're scheduled to play. So sometimes you see a really good team, and they play three patsies open up the season, and then they've got a tough road game, and you see everyone looking to yep. bet against them because it's a tough road game, and the reality is that all they could do is play the teams that are on their schedule. So that team may not be an overvalued commodity going in uh, to that affair, especially when there are a lot of betters looking to fade them because they think they might be because they haven't beaten anyone real yet. So uh, there is a caveat with that. Agree or disagree? 
Yeah, I mean, it's always a case-by-case basis. I mean, what was the, the, the margins over expectations? I mean, were they favored by 14 in those three non-conference games and they destroyed everybody in front of them and they did it with, you know, significant YPP margins? It wasn't, you know, due to turnover luck and whatnot. So it's, believe it or not, I know this is a boring answer. You, you got to you dive into the box scores and it's a case-by-case basis whether I think that team's going to be overrated or underrated. So let me make this very clear. All right, on this show, if the boring answer is the right answer, we're very happy with the boring answer. We're very comfortable with the boring <laughs> answer. This is not uh, its not about making headlines. We are grinders. This is about grinding out a profit, whether it's grinding out a profit by the week or by the month or by the season. More strategies with Brad Powers, figuring out how to grind out a profit in college football coming up after the break when coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Don't miss anything from our program. Go to Twitter and follow us at SportsGrid, at TV at SportsGrid Radio, and stay informed all day long. You see clips, breaking news, updates, and pretty much everything else at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV, at SportsGrid Radio on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. And, of course, you can follow today's guest, Brad Powers, on Twitter at BradPowers7. That's the number seven, at BradPowers7 on Twitter. And, Brad... Before the break, we were talking about how we would get into college football right now if we hadn't done any preseason prep or any summer prep. And we talked about how long the preseason info is good for. What info matters? Like, what do you look for in the offseason to assess what teams are bet on versus bet against versus neutral? Because uh, initially, uh, for me, uh, like my whole beginning of the season – I got a list of bet on teams. I got a list of bet against teams and a whole bunch of teams that I'm neutral. And I'm trying to get in action on the teams that I got the strongest opinions on early. What, uh, what info matters? So it's a good question. Um, and sometimes that answer is different if you're asking me that at the start of summer compared to the end of summer. Uh, start of the summer, say, you know, the opening win totals, week one and all that starting to open up. What I'm looking for to judge teams, whether they're bet on or bet against, is a lot of times I start with the year prior. Was that an outlier season for that particular program? And what I'm look, I always expect regression towards the mean to a certain extent, similar to what the the old Allen Boston. There's certain levels to programs. I'm a firm believer in that. So I'm looking for teams that might have had an outlier, really bad season a year ago, and I expect some improvement there. And then vice versa, a team that went well beyond their means the year prior, and I expect them to come down to earth. And, you know, how are you judging some other outliers? I'm also looking for outliers as far as returning production. I mean, the teams that are are the least experienced teams in the country compared to the teams that are the most. I'm not saying I'm blindly betting any of that, but sometimes, you know, when you're looking at the top ten of most experience and the bottom ten, Usually those are teams that I'm looking at least early on in the process that might not be priced accordingly uh, when those lines are first opening up from the bookmakers. So that's a couple of things I'm looking at. Now at the end of the summer, 
sometimes I, I'm looking to fade public sentiment. When, when the people now are starting to get involved with betting and they're already betting in the stuff that I think is uh, it's priced accordingly now and they're still running to, to that information that I already bet three months ago. And, and a lot of times I find myself, you know, I was buying a team in, in June but now they're priced out, and in some instances they're overpriced, and I can find myself baiting that team by the end of the summer. Wow. So, I mean, even though it's the same team with the same personnel, the issue is not how good the team is. The issue is how good the team is in relation to their market value. That goes for the best teams in college football. That goes for the worst teams in college football. You, it's. I mean, I'll say this. I find it really hard to make money with bottom feeders in college football. All right. But with the exception of the bottom feeders, and even the bottom feeders are going to cover four, five, six spreads uh, over the course of the season. Like they're not going to cover anything uh, all year. But there are certainly opportunities at various times of the year to be betting on or against many, many teams in college football. It's not about how good the teams are. It's about the markets and how the markets react. Agree or disagree? Agree. It's all price dependent for me. And I found this season in particular, because there's so much disparity in market prices, I, I have more than ever before, I have plenty of bets on a team and at a different sports book who, you know, priced that team differently than the rest of the market, I found myself fading that team. I'll give you a good example, USC. A lot of uncertainty with the USC, a lot of instability. A lot of people are really high on USC. Futures market thinks uh, USC is one of the top five, six teams in the country. But there were certain sports books, one in particular here in Vegas, the South Point, that was much lower on USC than even I was. So I found myself in the game of the year market betting on USC in every one of those games against the South Point, even though I think USC, generally speaking, is very overrated. So I guess my evolution as a handicapper, I am much more price dependent than ever before. Well, let me add, because I'm fascinated by this. It's, uh, and I want to ask you a question. Usually, you know, I send out a whole list of questions that I'm uh, that, uh, that, so my guests are prepared. This isn't a question I sent you. It's about a specific game. And it's about a team I'm going to talk about at the end of the show, the Nevada Wolfpack. Um, we saw Nevada open as high as 17.5 point favorites at New Mexico State. And now the betting markets and lines down to 8.5, 9. You know, um, so it's been a dramatic move. Now, everyone knows Nevada's way down from where they were last year. And everyone likes Jerry Kill, the New Mexico State head coach. But is this one of those examples where it's like, yeah, at plus 17.5, I love New Mexico State. But at minus 8.5, minus 9, maybe Nevada's you know just got better athletes. Absolutely. That could be the case. I'm not there yet in that particular game, but I could see myself getting there. Uh, because people are going to see that guys like myself, oh, you like New Mexico State in this game, you like New Mexico State. Other guys, you know, gave it out plus 14. Uh, even some guys I saw recently in the last week gave it out plus 10.5, plus 10, and they're still racing to bet that. And with everybody, you know, so late to the process, I think people, you know, the difference between Joes and pros, and this is a Jimmy Vaccaro uh, quote here, big difference is professionals bet numbers, Joes bet teams, and if they continue to bet that team, New Mexico State and fade, Nevada, uh, pretty soon I'm going to bet a number. And, and even though I got New Mexico State uh, tickets in my pocket, I'll end up uh, going to the window and having Nevada some buyback. 
Though, I mean, let's be real. Do you really think there's public action on Nevada, New Mexico State on opening night? Not right yet, now? not yet, Teddy, but... Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, all wise yet, guy money. Game day, yeah, oh, I, I, I know it's all wise game money at this point, but if they continue to bet that on game day, it doesn't take too much to move a game like that. And, and if the public starts coming in on New Mexico State because they they, they read, oh, Brad Bowers, he, he bet New Mexico State. Let's bet New Mexico State. Not, not even, you know, looking at that I had to price a, a touchdown difference. I'm saying if that's the case on game day, then, then certainly I'll, I'll end up betting Nevada. But you're right. Uh, public's not betting Nevada, New Mexico State. They won't even look at the game until – in some instances, they won't even look at the game until a couple hours before kickoff. Yeah, I think the under. I'd say 15 minutes uh, before kickoff or maybe a half hour. Fair enough. Uh, then, of course, the uh, the late game uh, for next Saturday. So let's get into it. I, I don't want to uh, – you know, we, we've really talked about – the prep and the process of prepping for the season. Now let's talk about some bet on and bet against teams. Uh, and I did this. Uh, I did this last week, and I love doing this before the season because you can get us a sense of what are the key factors any particular capper is looking for. And I don't expect every one of these bet on or bet against teams to cash, but what they will do to to live up to expectation. But what they will do, they're going to put them on your radar and. Some of them are going to be real bet against, and some of them are going to be real bet ons. If you're paying attention, you might get some uh, pretty good list from this show. So let's start. Uh, I'm going to let you pick what conference you want to start. You want to start little conferences? You want to start Mac Mountain West, Sun Belt, or you want to start SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big Twelve? You tell me, buddy. You know what? Let's start big. Let's go to the SEC. Uh, my bet on team. Let's do Tennessee. And I think some people are probably surprised and. Look, I'm not a huge Josh Heupel fan, the head coach, but I thought he did an outstanding job a year ago. Tennessee was a team that had more players in the transfer portal than any other team in the country, and yet I thought greatly overachieved last year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You look at this year, they got much more stability, and that's what I'm looking for, stability in college football. This is some info you can look at. I mean, I'm looking at returning head coach, offense, defense, corner, and particularly quarterback position. Tennessee answers yes to all those. Hendon Hooker, the quarterback, you know, how could you – look, people are going to argue with the accuracy issues. I look at the result, 31 touchdowns, three interceptions. That's not too shabby. What I also like is the division. I think Florida's rebuilding in year one. Kentucky's overrated as far as I'm concerned, as far as returning experience and off a 10-win season. Missouri and South Carolina still have questions. Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt. And Georgia's going to take a little bit of a step back after winning the national title. Where does that leave Tennessee? I think they're the clear-cut second-best team in the SEC East. And you can't say you couldn't say that too often here in the last 10, 15 years as far as Tennessee football goes. Yeah, I might say 20 years uh, for the Vols. Do you have a uh, do you have a bet against team uh, from the SEC that you're looking to fade right from the get go? Yeah, so it's Auburn, and it's not that I'm running the window to fade Auburn in week one, week two. What I'm looking at Auburn is that first bad result because they had a lot of off field issues, and say they lose to Penn State in week three. And there's, you know, and there's some controversy around the head coach who they almost let go already. I think that could be a bad locker room. And I don't like what I'm reading in fall camp as far as the quarterback situation goes. ACC, anything stand out in that regard early on? we got about a minute yeah, before the break. It, yeah, the biggest is the fade, and that's Georgia Tech. Another coach that I think lame duck situation, Jeff Collins, just wasn't going to be able to get it done here, transitioning from the option. He lost his best player in Jameer Gibbs to Alabama. The team, their season win total looks really low at 3.5. I'm here to tell you, make that bet, under 3.5. I don't see Georgia Tech 
winning uh, obviously more than three games. In fact, if I had to put it to it, I think they're a two and ten type of team. That's the case. Collins is out. Yeah, and uh, and is that is that program is, there, is it hopeless at this stage? Is it is this an Eastern Michigan kind of a scenario where you know the best Georgia Tech's going to get is six and six or seven and five down the road? Are they done competing for titles? I think so. With Georgia right there in the back door, it's tough to it's tough to compete. No doubt. We got Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, AAC, and so much more coming up because I am not done picking Brad Power's brain yet. We've got bet ons, we've got bet against, we've got stuff to look at for week one. And of course, you know what Brad promoted the end. So stay tuned. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Detailed college football discussion with reasons why we want to be betting on or betting against teams. And I'll tell you what, Brad Powers just came out and said, wait for Auburn. Don't Auburn's not necessarily bet against week one. Wait for their first bad game, then fade them. Wait for the team chemistry to collapse, which it may well do. We also look to bet against Georgia Tech in the ACC. Anyone else in the ACC you want to talk about, Brad, before we move on to the bigs? You know what, believe it or not, I kind of like Miami more than what I originally thought I would. I think reading the preseason camp, uh, defensive line looks as good, top 10 material in the country. I think they were close last year to being a 9-10 win team. I'm not a big Mario Cristobal fan, but you know they got a really good returning quarterback, and you can't argue with the talent. I think they win that side of the division, and, and for, for only the second time in 20 years, play for the ACC championship. Mario Cristobal, I have nothing bad to say about the guy, but he's gotten more elite jobs in college football with less of a resume than just about anyone uh, that I can think of. He does not have a whole lot of winning seasons, regardless of where he's been. I mean, his, his best success came where? It's like Florida International or something. It's uh, a bizarre rise, but I'll give him all the credit in the world for doing it. Um, Big Ten, who do we want our money on? Who do we want our money against? You know what? Money against Nebraska. And look, I mean... I think they're much improved. I think this is Scott Frost's best team. But, I mean, the market's got that front in and then some with a season win total at seven and a half. In fact, a couple books had eight early on in the summer. I just I think he's over his head. And if you don't believe me, look at the one possession results. And people go to, like, oh, it's bad luck. They lose a bunch of close games. But when it's year after year after year, Teddy, and they're 5-20, and 20, in one possession games, that's not bad luck. That's bad coaching. And I just read today, I tweeted this, uh, Scott Frost talking about he's kind of you know, proud that his offensive linemen are throwing up on average 15 to 20 times per practice. I mean, this is the 1950s junction, boys. I mean, come on. I mean, that that is just something I wouldn't be proud of at this point. <laughs> they they had their first game next Saturday. I just think he's over his head, and I'll be surprised if Nebraska, you know, gets to eight and four, and I lose that season win total. I think that under seven and a half Nebraska is a really good bet right now. So Scott Frost was like the hottest coaching commodity out there, right? It's not like yep. I mean, he and and then he gets to Nebraska, and now he's like, oh my god, this guy can't coach. How does this happen, Brian Harson? Was the hottest commodity 
at the Boise job. He gets to Auburn, now he's bet against. How does that happen? Good question. Again, boring answer, probably case-by-case basis, because I could say Harson's a bad fit at Auburn. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily fit in the SEC culture, but with Scott Frost, you can't say bad fit when he that's his alma mater. Uh, some guys just can't ha- I think in some instances, and a lot of them, when you're going from group of five to power five, they don't necessarily handle those those raised expectations that well, whether it's raised expectations in recruiting, raised expectations in dealing with the media. Uh, some guys just can't handle it. Yeah, I think Billy Napier at Florida is one guy who will be able to handle that. We'll see how that plays out. Any bet on in the Big Ten stand out to you? I kind of like Minnesota, believe it or not. Uh, and I'm worried about the offense and defensive lines, but one thing – you got to remember last year, that was a team that won nine games, and that was with with losing as a 30-point favorite to Bowling Green and a two-touchdown-plus favorite against Illinois. So I can make a case that they could have been even better last year. They get their offensive coordinator back that was there in 2019 when they had their best offensive season under P.J. Fleck. Returning quarterback for it seems like his 10th season, Tanner Morgan. Uh, Ibrahim at running back, keep in mind, he got injured in the Buckeye game, the season opener. And by the end of the season, Minnesota's playing like a four-string running back. So I expect that to be better on the injury front. And I think the Big Ten West is completely wide open, whether it's a Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Iowa. I think Minnesota could easily win that side of the division. They're not going to beat Ohio State for, for it all, but I could see Minnesota playing in, the, in, in at least their first trip to the Big Ten championship game. Row the boat, baby. The P.J. Flex Golden Gophers bet on a team in the Big Ten, says Brad Powers. How about the Big 12, or what do we want to call it? We probably should call them the Big 8 because Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. Uh, But who knows what they'll look like a year or two from now. Anyone stand out to you from the Big 12 as bet on or bet against? So let's make history with your show, Teddy. I'm not sure you've ever heard these words. Bet on Kansas. Not necessarily. I think they're going to you know, make a run at a bowl game, but what I do think they'll be, make a run at is being much more competitive on a per-game basis in the Big 12. We already saw it last year. Everyone's going to point towards the Texas game. I liked how they followed up. You could beat Texas as 30-point underdog, and how do you follow it up? You almost beat TCU. You almost beat West Virginia. Those are one-possession losses for them. They covered their last three games by 20 points per game, Teddy. And keep in mind, last year, Lance Leopold, a coach, he didn't become the head coach until after spring, so he was way behind the eight ball. They're the most experienced team as far as returning production in the Big 12. I think Kansas is very competitive in the Big 12, something we couldn't say at any point in the last decade. Yeah, Lance, uh, Lance Leopold built a nice program at Buffalo. Kansas haven't had any success since Mark Mangino got fired uh, what, more than a decade ago. Anyone to bet against in the Big 12? Yeah, I'm fading Texas again. I, I don't like what I'm reading in fall camp. They got two offensive starters already out for the season. Uh, they can't figure out necessarily the quarterback, whether it's Hudson Card or Quinn Ewers. And I haven't been overwhelmed by reading either one as far as they haven't wowed in the preseason fall camp. Also don't like that they play Alabama in week two. I think a program that's you know looking always to get back, I think that's going to be a very humbling experience for a young you know, team only in the second year of a head coach's system. I mean, to get blown out week two and show just how far you got to go as a program. Texas hasn't handled 
uh, setbacks well the last decade, and I, I think that could be one that sets them back. Look, they'll be improved. They'll be back in a bowl game. But the season win total, I saw as high as 9.5 in the market this summer. I mean, I even like under 8.5. So I, I think it's a 7-5, and 8-4 and four type of team. And Sark, another one of those coaches, you know, who you're like, yeah, you've had a whole lot of gigs, um, and you haven't necessarily done all that well with them. Pac-12, anyone stand out to you as bet on or bet against? i got a bunch of teams in this conference I like and a bunch I don't like. USC, I hate. Stanford, I love. Uh, I think Washington <laughs> State's going to make us money. Uh, I think I have more strong opinions in the Pac-12 than any other conference. What about you? Yeah, team I absolutely hate. Maybe just as much as any team in the country this year is Arizona State. That, that's a team that uh, obviously, I mean, we've I've read even some of the preseason reports. They talk about it being the biggest dumpster fire in college football. Obviously, there were some recruiting issues. Half the staff, they, you know, Herm Edwards had to get rid of. I wasn't necessarily impressed with Herm Edwards to begin with, and I just think he's in over his head this year with all the turmoil. And then you add in their lack of returning production for them. They're one of the least ex- experienced teams in the entire country. They just suffered a significant loss. Their best defensive lineman's out for the year. They got a big game in week two against Oklahoma State. I think they'll get blown out. In. And I think this is a team, once they, they lose that first couple of games, I think uh, with Herm Edwards basically in a lame duck situation, this is a team that I think rolls over by, by mid-October. So I'm fading Arizona State. That's a pretty strong fade. Anyone we want to be betting on in the Pac-12? This one's a little surprising for me because initially I thought, eh, I, I think I want to be wait and see. If anything, I thought they were overpriced in some of the early season markets. It's Washington. But the more I read about them, yeah, I like their head coach, Kalen DeBoer. A lot of guys uh, that, that, that follow college football closely like Kalen DeBoer quite a bit. They were, you know, obviously not very well-coached team the last couple of years. But when they were well-coached under Chris Peterson, they are one of the best teams in the Pac-12. I like the returning production for them. Uh, looks like Penix is going to be their quarterback. Keep in mind, when Michael Penix had his best season in Indiana, Kalen DeBoer was his offensive coordinator. So I kind of like that familiarity there. Washington can make a run to the Pac-12 championship game. Wow. So high expectations for the Washington Huskies after a pair of underachieving seasons. If you back Washington last year, pretty much at any point, you lost money. So we've got, uh, what, just about three or four minutes left here with Brad Powers. Brad, we haven't talked to any of the smaller conferences, AAC, Sunbelt, Conference USA, Mountain West, MAC. Want to highlight out of those smaller conferences, one bet on, one bet against that you want to talk about right here. Yeah, bet on, I'm going Southern Miss. Uh, this is a team last year had a first-year head coach. And if you, this is one where you pull out your old stat packs and go to last year. Southern Miss had 12 different players take a snack from quarterback. And it's not like uh, all offensive. In, it, it, oh, they're innovative. They're, they're, you know, running backs and whatnot. Everyone's throwing a pass. No, that was out of need. I mean, they had a starting running back, Frank Gore Jr., play, as their starting quarterback the last couple of games. And they didn't give up on the season. They won their last. He won and covered easily their last two games of the season. So I like that. It was a turning point for, for the program. Returning a ton of experience. That's a team that goes. That in my opinion, Teddy doubles their win total from a season ago. Maybe even triples it. I think they make a run in a very competitive Sunbelt West division. They can make a run there. So Southern misses uh, play on. Bet against. I'll give you. A, how about this? Bet against a lot of the teams in the Mountain West. Nevada, Hawaii, <laughs> Wyoming. Those are all teams. I'm talking the early weeks. 
that the market hates, and I think you're going to see money continue to come against those three teams. Nevada, Hawaii, what was the third one? Wyoming. Wyoming, because Wyoming's been a real popular team among wise guys in recent years. Are they way down this season? Is it a complete rebuild job? Because, you know, we talked earlier, and I meant to, I meant to interject this earlier, but we talk about the hidden things behind the headlines. And what I look for in the summer, I want a strong offensive line. I want a strong defensive line. I want some talent in the secondary. And I find like those three areas tend to be overlooked. And in some of these media guys, you read all oh, this skill position talent, that skill position talent. And then they're like, oh, yeah, and four of the five starting linemen from last year graduated and you have 11 returning starts up there. You're like, well, forget your skill position talent. It's the lines. What do you see about Wyoming that's, that's bet against right now? Because well, Bowles has been great with the friend. interior. Yeah, so six true freshmen in the two deep on the offensive line, I don't think bodes well. <laughs> I think their rushing attack takes a step back. Defensive line also takes a step back. Uh, their interior defensive line depth uh, really thin there. Uh, I mean, the starters are okay, but they lose a couple of studs at defensive end. Uh, obviously lost their best linebacker that, that people don't look at, that, that Muma kid uh, was really good. And, uh, look, you, you want to dive in and read the tea leaves? Both their quarterbacks could have come back this season and both transferred out of the program. They've been you know, starting quarterbacks from the last couple of years. They've been switching on and off. Both transferred out. That's, that's not a good sign, in my opinion, Teddy. That's one of those red flags behind the scenes. Brad Powers, great info. Follow him on Twitter, at Brad Powers, Brad Powers 7. Uh, Brad, where else can people find you? You can follow me on my uh, website, at Brad Powers, uh, bradpowersports.com. You can just go to my website, check out all my information. Yeah, and, of course, uh, Brad Power Sports. That's it. I gave you like a minute to hype. You took 10 seconds. Now you got to kill the last 40 <laughs> seconds with me. What else do you want to talk about? Well, I'll give you another team to fade, Ball State. How about that? I'll give you another team to fade. Ball State and the MAC is a team that I do not like this year. So, And you can still find some reasonable season win total prices for them. Go under the win total on Ball State. Ball State cars, and I'll tell you what. You know, Maction gets very little betting market attention until you start seeing the weeknight Maction games in November. So if you can find a good bet against team in the Mac for September and October, like Ball State, you can make some money. Brad Powers, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to hang out. We'll do it again in the not-too-distant future. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covered. Listen, you missed any portion of today's program. If you want to go back and re-listen to what Brad Powers was talking about when he was talking about what he does in off-season prep or some of his bet on or bet against teams. If you want to go back in the archives, check out last week's show. I had another great college football preview show last week with Paul Stone or the week before with Arthur DeCesar. Just search Cover It with Teddy Covers at any podcast outlet major, minor, doesn't matter, wherever you download your podcast. Just search Cover It. You can download and consume at your convenience. Basically, every show I've ever done, 
for the Sports Grid Radio Network is archived and easily downloadable and consumable. So you can check it out even if you missed it live on air. I want to give you guys a bettable opinion for college football futures. You know here I'm in Las Vegas. And the Nevada Wolfpack over the years have been a pretty strong bet on team. You know, you've made more money betting on Nevada than betting against them for the better part of the last two decades. That ain't going to be the case this year. <laughs> and we heard Brad Powers talking about it. And I talked about the potential for betting on Nevada in week one at New Mexico State. Because I think New Mexico State, while they may get better as the season progresses or next year or whatever, I don't think they're going to be very good from the get-go. So there may be some value on the Wolfpack in week one. But this is a team... I, I don't know if there are many teams in the country that had a worse offseason than Nevada. The head coach left for another job in the same conference because the program couldn't pay him. All right. All new staff, both sides of the football, offense and defense, new head coach. The transfer portal, a disaster for Reno, decimated. Very few guys returning. Carson Strong, NFL quarterback, he graduated in the offseason. I think it's going to be a major rebuild for Nevada, and I expect this year to be pretty darn ugly. Under season wins, four and a half you can find. I do not expect the Wolfpack to win five games. That's going to wrap it for Cover It with Teddy Covers. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to hang out with me. We'll do it again tomorrow on the Sports Grid Radio Network.